Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. We are in a series called Grateful Givers, and today we are stepping the first day of Thanksgiving week. And it's amazing. It's so um, special week for me. As a missionary pastor, um, I did not come from a place, a country, a culture where we had set apart an entire week to consider the blessings of God. And it's so uh, good for me to, uh, to be immersed in a culture that considers at least one day in the year to give thanks. And I really want to reinforce that value here in our church because while the world is losing that value, as even some churches, you know, are just pushing this aside as just a cultural thing, I want to reinforce this good American tradition because it makes us to consider what the psalmist asks us to do. And before I title my message, I want to read this psalm as one of our prayers for opening this message. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5. And the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Raise your hands if you need healing this morning. Come on, somebody. Who heals all your, all, absolutely all virus, bacteria, infection, whatever it is. All your disease. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good. So that your youth or your maturity is renewed like the eagles. Close your eyes. Father, I pray that you teach us how to be grateful givers. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to express our thankfulness. And may through these words, we be reminded of all your benefits, all your blessings that we could experience in the past years, but especially 2022. Despite all the tragedy, all the hardships, you're so good. You're still so good for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, thank you. Remind me about that, okay? So we live in a crooked and twisted generation. That's how the Bible says. That, that tends to per- pervert the meaning of everything. The meaning of family. The meaning of love. The meaning of faithfulness. And also the meaning of thankfulness. Gratitude. While we were supposed to be in a holiday that will be an expression of thanksgiving, it was twisted to be one of the most consuming, unsatisfying season in the year. The world 
twist it all. Instead of satisfaction, we are envious and greedy. It became the time when we see people with the mentality, it was not enough. It wasn't so good. And they are like the wise Solomon wrote for us in the opening of Ecclesiastes. They are running after the wind. Vanity of vanities, Ecclesiastes 1-2, says the preacher, vanity of all vanities is all vanity. In other words, is people trying to chase the wind, going after a vapor, a mist. It's a mere breath. And because they are only looking for that, that's how the, the Lord sees mankind in a sense. Because they are hollow inside. There is no content that makes those people actually valuable in a sense. Because they are all chasing after the wind. Another psalm. 62 verse 9 says, Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. So no matter if you are poor or rich, if you are fame or unknown, it's all a delusion. In the balance, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. You put it all mankind, listen carefully. You put it all mankind in one side of the balance. And the truth of the word and the principles of the word weighted in the other side. And there is no weight at all. There is no content at all in all mankind, rich or poor, wise or fool, fame or unknown. The word of God prevails. This is what the poet is writing. Actually, more than writing, they are singing this psalm. We need to take the psalms as music. Every psalm in somehow is a lyric of a song. Verse 10. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Uh, the, the psalmist, David, that wrote this poem, gave this song to a choir master, to a, a worship leader, kind of Carlos. He gave him and said, I want you to establish a melody that fits the song I just wrote. I want you to create a harmony that people will rem remember this truth. The truth that riches, assets, and stuff are nothing compared to the trust of the Lord. And I want them to sing this very loud. And they were looking for the best worship leader to turn those, that poem we just read, part of the poem, into a music. And they found it. Jedutan, if you have your actually uh, old version, paper version Bible, you're going to see that the title of this psalm, Psalm 62, it is to be sang with a harmony made by this individual called Jedutan. 
Um, it's a strange name to name your son, but the, na- the meaning of his name is louder. So maybe he was the rock player among David's worship leaders. David, as the Bible tells us, had, it seems to had three main choir masters. Let's take a look in 1 Chronicles 25. David and the chief of the service also set apart for the service the sons of Asaph and of Haman and of Jeduthun. So these three guys used to determine how songs of David will be played and sing the rhythm of the songs. And those guys, together with the music, they also prophesied with lyrics, with harps, and with cymbals. Look, Second Chronicles chapter 35. The singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place according to the command of David. And Asaph, Haman, and Jeduthun, this guy, the louder guy, he was also the king's seer. He was a kind of a personal prophet. I know you have your personal trainer, but David had his personal prophet. Okay? And his personal prophet was Jeduthun. So those words maybe was, was even inspired by these men of God. Which points to us that music, it's part of our expression of thanksgiving. So when Vine Church decided to invest more than $30,000 in sound equipment, you guys glad with the sound system? Yeah, only the youth and the worship team shouting for now, but it's not a waste. It is not a waste because God takes music very seriously. And it's through music and through genuine expression of worship that prophecy can also happen. That we can be convicted, drawn to God, inspired. We can offer music, praise, and also be edified as we do it. So, I like the the fact that this poem we just read expressed that nothing in the world deserves my trust but the Lord alone. How can we be immune to the world's crookedness, twisting values? Philippians chapter 2, 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Next verse. Without murmuring or questioning. Verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent. Like children of God. Without blemish. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know, sometimes you are dressing for Sunday morning. And you are neat and clean. But as you brush your teeth, you stain your black shirt. And you don't see it, but everybody is going to notice that stain. Because you are so rightly dressed, but that stain 
comes up more than everything good you did. Paul is telling us that complaining may stain the amazing year you had. That favorite year you had. That amazing experience of, uh, of blessings in your family you just experienced. But instead of looking with good eyes, you find reasons to complain and grumbling. It stains you. Now, because the world lives constantly in complain, constantly in comparison, they are always stained. So they don't notice any difference between themselves. But when you and I, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, make a decision to praise instead of complaining, worship and give thanks instead of grumbling, instead of murmuring and comparing, we pops up. We are set apart. Actually, to the point that we start to shine light. So here's the secret. Thanksgiving praises make us invisible to the evil one. Why? Because the original word for shine as lights in the world, in the text of Philippians, put it there for me, the last verse, shine as lights in the world, could also be translated as shine like stars. And I made my profound research in a very reliable source, Google, that if you look to the sun for five seconds only directly with your eyes, you may have your eye, your seaside, completely damaged. Permanently damaged. So when we decided to praise and worship and live a thankful, great grateful life, the devil cannot gaze at us without his eyes being burned because he's pure darkness and you become pure light. It just burns his eyes. But the world around us also will be transformed. Wherever we step in, our light will shine. And that depressing sudden, expecting only bad things to happen in our family, in our workplace, because you shine, will be transformed from darkness to light. And that's why the devil creates traps, ambushes, enemies that wants to steal our gratitude. And here I start to preach the three enemies of our gratitude. If I was you, I would take notes. Number one, self-righteousness. I told you that the world is twisted because the world is caught up in the entitlement mentality. It's the spirit in the assumption that we have the right Always to be the first in the line is the presumption that we deserve advantages and that we should always have 
the preferential treatment. And out of that spirit, we see this ugly and wrong attitude of being discontent. No matter what you are having, no matter what you are experiencing, you have discontentment. We think we deserve to be gods. We are on an endless quest to have the command. It is the view that all those that are standing our way of satisfaction are our competitors, even our spouse. The wrong view about ourselves and others prevent us from being happy until we finally achieve. But achieve what? There's no even answer for what the world is after. And that's why big companies, Apple, Microsoft, Ford, Chevy, they always launch a new thing for us to buy every single year. It's exactly the same car, but they change the number at the end of each year and creates this craving to have it in order to be happy. Is this new phone that cha just changed a number at the end and creates the desire to have it. And as a result, the world is bound in discontentment. It is the world just trapped into this endless pursuit. And in case you stumble in the same trap, there is a way out. There is a cord given to you inside of this pit of discontentment. It is thanksgiving. It is gratitude. It is your decision to praise instead of comparing. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts. And I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give thanks to Him. So self-righteousness is a worship problem. It is a trust problem. It is a thanksgiving problem. If you are worshiping yourself or someone or something over or above God, the only way out is to shift that worshiping focus to the only one that deserves our thanksgiving. It is a way of gratitude that makes us less self-centered, and more satisfying. Thankfulness makes us immune to that self-righteousness mindset because allow us to take our focus out of our deceptive desire and false needs. It makes us set our gaze upon the King that promised us everything we need.
Number two, the second enemy of our thanksgiving heart, covetousness. So once you think you are in the right to have all at any cost, because you simply deserve it all, because you work hard, and it's all because you are the perfect person, you are the most intelligent person in the family, and because you are so special and unique and nothing and no one can deny you of anything, then your desires converts into covetousness. Let's take a close look in James chapter 4 verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? I know what it is, Pastor. It's Thanksgiving dinner night. That's what it causes. But it wasn't supposed to be. Thanksgiving night was supposed to be a joyful Thanksgiving night. Giving thanks. And James tells us what it is, the root behind the quarrels and fights. It's not this, that your passions are at war within you. So from desire, it became passion. With just a wish and desire, now you were convinced that you really need that. From desire, it became covetousness. Is anyone following what I'm trying to say here? Look to what says verse 2. You desire and do not have. So you murder. Or at least you want to kill somebody. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have. Look to somebody that you can talk right now. Say to him or to her. Say, you do not have because you do not ask. Tell somebody, you do not have because you do not ask. Such a simple solution. It seems that we just can't stand the thought of anyone receiving more than us. Someone told me a story that illustrates very clear what covetousness is really. God appeared to a man and told him, you can ask me anything. Just like God showed up in Solomon's dream. Ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And when the man was almost making his wish... God said, but there's only one condition. Whatever you ask me, I'll give in double to your neighbor. So he thought for a second and said, I want to be blind of one eye. It's a horrible story, but illustrates what desires that are converted into passions that are transforming to covetousness can produce envy, jealousy. And they are all relatives of the same family. All this fighting 
For our rights originate in our self-righteousness, as we said. And the tragic truth is that though we like the slogan that we know what's best for us, in reality, we do not know. So pursuing our covetousness at any cost only causes us to kill, to hate each other, to compete. And we become enslaved of our want, enslaved of what others may think about us. We are all serving the king I. Someone once said, when you come to the Lord, He never sends you away empty-handed. Unless you come to Him stuffed full with yourself. So how to be delivered from that? How can we be free from this pit, this enemy of covetousness? It's when we realize it's not all about us. It's not all about my little tiny desires that became passions that eventually fall into covetousness. It is all about Jesus. It is about His plan for our family. So youth, listen carefully here. Adulthood, to be a mature man or woman, has a meaning in the Bible. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, the Bible invites us to grow up. Grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and grow until we reach the mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But what that even means? It means that when you are a genuine adult, you care less about yourself and you start to care for others. Your wife, your husband. You are not the center of your universe anymore. Your rotation Actual is not your passions, desires, and covetousness anymore. It is your, your, it is your children. It is your family. That happens when you yield your priorities, surrender your preferences, and learn to consider and take care of others. That is what makes a boy into a man, a girl into a woman. A couple into a family. Are guys with me? So a friend was asked by his son, Dad, be honest with me. When would I finally be free to do whatever I want? And his wise father answered, If you want to be married one day, never. It's... It's true. Because if you want life, family, companionship, it requires maturity. It requires you be less and others be greater. Consideration. So let's go back to James chapter 4 again. Verse 2. You desire and do not have, 
so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So James is not telling us that we cannot have desires. Actually, he just said, if you have a desire, ask. You don't need to envy anyone. You don't need to be jealous of your neighbor. Just ask your rich heavenly father. And as a good father that knows how to give good gifts in proper time, he will give it to you. Did you try to ask? Did you dare to at least pray about that? That leads me to a reflection. Some stop asking because they have no eyes to see or to remember all the blessings that the Heavenly Father already gave to them. And if we are not honest, we know that it was not a result of our job. It was not all because we are well influenced or because we have connections or academic formation. We have so much more than we deserve. Be honest with you. So be thankful. So watch out that your desires do not become selfish passions. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it in your passions. So there is a difference between a desire and a necessity. And you need to understand that now. Because one thing is to be hungry. Another thing is to have a desire to eat a bacon, chicken, pineapple pizza. It's a very selective taste to eat this type of pizza, which, by the way, I like it. It's a desire. It's not a necessity. Because when you fast 10 days in the water, my friend, cracker is like a banquet. So one thing is the need for transportation. Another thing is the desire that leads you into a passion to buy an 84 payment car that consume half of your income, maybe more than the half. So do not be deceived by allowing the world turn desires into passions and to falsify desires in necessities. Is anyone understanding what I'm saying here? Yeah, very few people. That, that's good enough for me. That is when we fall in the last of our enemies. Or the last trap that the devil set before us. Because if you are in debt, my friend, every single Thanksgiving, bring it up, you will have a hard time to be thankful this year. If you fell into the covetousness, self-righteousness that now led you into debt, you remember 2022 with sorrow and not with thanksgiving. The people of Israel were brought to Egypt to survive a famine. One of the patriarchs, Joseph, brought his father Jacob and all his family down to Egypt to survive. 
As years passed, they forgot their purpose. They lost the meaning. Why they were brought and preserved in Egypt. They missed their promise that was passed on since Abraham. And that was the promise. Genesis 12 verse 2. Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. Which right now, they were. They were a great nation. And Abraham, I'll bless you or I'll bless you as a nation. And I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It is incredible to be blessed. But it's even better to be a blessing. There's no greater experience than to be a blessing. But because people of Israel was enslaved in debt, and it was, they were not even aware how they ended up there. As a lot of young couples and young adults come and tell me, Pastor, I don't know how I did come to this point. My credit card is full, and I have payments that are just drowning me crazy, and I'm just suffocated by I have nothing to be thankful for. Look what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1. This is the, the Egyptians. This is Visa card. This is MasterCard. This is Best Buy. This is TG Maxx, whatever, wherever you buy. This is, this is the world talking. Right now, they are planning. They are planning one Friday night. And at least they were honest. It's very black. It's very dark. Because I have to consume. Look what, what they were. They were planning. And now they are planning now. Come. Let us deal shrewdly with them. Lest they multiply. Lest they prosper. Lest they enter 2023 death free. We cannot allow that to happen. No, 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 no. They, they are almost paying their card. Let's, let's deal shrewdly with them. If war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. We, don't, we cannot let them go out. They have to stay under our bondage. Verse 11. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Python and uh, Ram Ramesses. So the enemy wants you to be in a financial debt to enslave us with agreements and payments that at the end of each year does not let us be happy. Satisfy. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Listen. The rich rules over the poor. How? And the borrower is the slave of the lender. So debt is the last enemy of our gratitude. It makes you ungrateful. It robs your peace and focus. 
You become blind to the blessings you received. But today we can all have an attitude of faith to declare in the spiritual world, we will not live a life in debt. It's, it's strange, but here in the United States, the concept of credit is actually related to how much you can get in debt. You guys agree with me? It's, this is, was a very new concept for me when I became a missionary here. Every week, I receive at least five ways to get in debt in my mailbox. They say it's free money. They say it's just another credit card. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. We were bought with price. Do not become bond servants of men. Let me remind you, Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in each season and to bless all the work of your hands. Lift it up your hands. Lift it up your hands. The Lord is going to bless all the work of your hands. And I know there's a lot of people working like crazy these days. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. So let us not be deceived and fall into debt that will prevent us to be grateful. The will of the Lord is always good. And we can ask whatever we want. And in due season, the Lord always give it to us. I don't want to brag about myself, but I think um, for a lot of young people in our church, we set a standard, me and my wife, because um, I ask everything to the Lord, even the, you know, the spoiled things, like an electrical car that drives itself. It's really comfortable. It took about 80 years when I make my first request. God, I wish to have one day that car. And the Lord gave me. It's just like, it wasn't yesterday. But these cravings, these desires that becomes passions that end into covetousness should not lead me into debt. I'm not in debt because I have a car that is a pretty nice car. I'm not in debt. I'm actually serving Jesus. I'm happy. And I have a lot to be thankful for. But if I was in debt, it would be very hard to celebrate Thanksgiving in 2022. Let me close the message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would you stand here to your feet right now, please? I want you to get together with your family this week and really express gratitude. And I want you to learn the way, of, the way out of discontentment, the way out of insatisfaction is thankfulness. 
But the next thing I'm going to say here, it's going to be very hard for you to believe unless you experience. The way out of debt is generosity. Yes, we are in a financial campaign. Bring me the, my, thing, my main slide. We want you to participate on helping us to pay for our sound system. As a church, we had means to do that right now, but we want you to participate. So every year, we challenge the brothers in our church to experience the power of generosity in practice. And we prepare this, this end of the year moment to give a, a special offering, a sacrificial offering. Inspired by thankfulness, inspired by gratitude, but also inspired by faith because I'm believing next year the Lord has multiplication for me. I believe that 2023 will be the year of overflow. And I'm sowing my first fruit already with the expectation that this powerful seed will bear and multiply a hundredfold. So, usually every year, I invite you to join me how I, I have done throughout the years in this moment of offering. Usually I talk to my wife, but because this is already a, a thing that we do for years, at the end of the year, I give, apart from my tithing, Apart from my regular donations, I give what I want to be for the following year, my regular tithe. I give a, a, a faith seed. I give a special offering that I believe I am placing faith that will be my regular giving for the next year. And I, it's sacrificial. Usually it's, it's sacrificial through the process if you are if you are with us in 2022 you know that we did not do any financial campaign this year we did last year and that's why you are seated in this building come on somebody your seeds were allowed us to enter in this oh my goodness amazing huge blessing Southside Christian Southside Christian Church partnering with us and now we have Vine Christian Academy we have Vine Church finally established in a location now I'm challenging you because I understand how the year of 2022 was mainly at the end of the year I know I, I was here in September 28 I was actually in this building when Ian you know said hello for us so I understand that. So our challenge this year is to raise $30,000 by January. So I want you to really talk to your family. I don't want you to do out of emotions. Look how I'm talking to you. I know we are playing sound there, but it's not to turn you more emotional for it. No gimmicks. No, no hiding things here, okay? I want you to talk to your family and consider how much we're going to give this year as our first fruit offering. How much are going to be our special seed 
and how much we are expecting to be for the next year over our family as well. So, my ushers, we're going to give you guys this special envelope. Please take one of these envelope ushers. Please go around. You guys can do this. Marco, Antonio, please go around and give an envelope for everybody. Go ahead. Go ahead. Everybody gets an envelope, please. There we go. Everybody gets an envelope. Go up. Go around. Get one envelope. You don't need to give through this envelope today. You will not give this envelope through this envelope today. You're going to pray about it. And let the Lord speak to you in the next weeks. It's one envelope per family. Pastor T is reminding me, okay? It's one envelope per family because this is a family decision. This is a family decision. Now, because I'm being transparent with you, I need to tell you the truth here. You cannot, you cannot um, detour your regular giving for this campaign because part of what we already do in the, our church depends of your regular giving so that's why I'm asking you to pray about it amen are you guys with me what is the three enemies of our gratitude this week number one self-righteousness believe me we have so much more than we deserve the Lord already blessed us so much, so much, so much. May the Lord make our memory work this week so we can forget not all His benefits. Say amen, everybody. Number two, covetousness. I don't want to fall into the pit of covetousness, of craving things that are not actually necessities. I already have enough. I already have enough. And if I have a desire, I know what to do. I'll ask my Heavenly Father to bless me. Number three, we don't need to get into any debt. Any debt to be happy. We are happy. We will be satisfied when we will become a blessing.